Peterson from Politics Weekly, and today we're going to be discussing the current events of the week, and probably the big thing on everybody's mind is, of course, the thirteen, the fifteen ballots that were cast in the speaker's race. <laughs> yeah, to elect a speaker of the house, they had to cast fifteen ballots. And um, hi, Vin. Hey, asked me to. Uh Join him today, and I'm excited to talk about all these things. Yeah, so they had to... The new Republican House majority was um, convened on January 3rd, but they have to elect a speaker before they can swear in the members, of course. So what they did is that they... McCarthy had a very narrow majority, obviously. It's a tiny majority. So there was like 20 people who said that they would vote for like Brian Donalds or Jim Jordan or somebody else instead of Kevin McCarthy. And all the Democrats voted for Jeffries, of course. So what happened was that um, they had to go on to 15 rounds of ballots. Kevin McCarthy had to make a ton of concessions on things like the debt ceiling, I think, and some things around the federal budget. And then, and like as well as, I think he also included a negotiating thing which would allow any member to remove the speaker if they so please and hold the vote to remove the speaker if they so please. Yeah, so any member can be like, I'm tired of McCarthy today, let's hold a vote. Yeah, to replace him as speaker. Any member can do that at any time and hold the vote to replace the speaker. Great. Okay, so what is his what's the majority um in the House for Republicans? Two twenty two out of four hundred thirty five. So it's very narrow. Yeah, so how many more do they have of Democrats? Democrats have two hundred thirteen, so they only have like a four or five seat majority. Okay. And um I think you said the Democrats had a similar one last a round? Similar, yeah, they had the exact same majority in 2021, 222 seats. And Republicans have thus 222 seats in 2023. So that's interesting. Yeah. Um, I didn't see any kind of a circus when uh, Nancy Pelosi was in charge. Evil, evil, terrible uh, Nancy Pelosi. I know. She got elected uh, pretty easily. Her conference was largely united behind her, and she won on the first ballot. And Hawking Jeffries, he got every single vote from the Democrats, whether it's the so-called squad or whether it's the Blue Dogs. They all were along with Hawking Jeffries, despite a wide range of political ideologies in the Democratic House caucus. Okay, so McCarthy, 15th time is the charm. Tell yes. me historically uh, what that means. This is the first time we went on to more than one ballot since 1923. Right, so exactly 100 years ago, Yes. they went how many times? Nine. Okay, so then... So we're we, doing 15, so we're breaking it, so we're doing more than that. Is it a world record? No, the record is 133. Oh my God, 133. When was that? Um, like, like before the Civil War. But by the way, this is the most ballots we've been on for a speaker's election since the Civil War. That is really telling to me. Like, the Civil War. Yeah, most elections on the speaker's ballots since the Civil War. So when we were fighting over slavery, yeah. we had trouble. Mm-hmm. We as in this country, not necessarily me. Yeah. And... When now we are so divided, there was an insurrection. No one believed that a whole side doesn't believe the election, the election results, even though they're still playing the game. Yeah, and of course, the the speaker's election, it got downright contentious at times, of course. I think there was Mike Rogers of Alabama, for example, who's a strong McCarthy ally. I think he like leaned towards Gates and wanted to say, like, hey, enough, or something like that. And I think a person like put his hand over his mouth. 
I know. I just feel like that was so blown out of proportion. Like, I saw it. We saw it that night, and it was it like. It didn't look like he was trying to hurt anybody. To be yeah, it wasn't like, oh, my gosh. But it was kind of like. A bit of, of a troubling sign of tension, I guess. Yeah, like, um, you guys have to work together for how long? For how long? Yeah, like how long is the house going to have power? For two years or three, four? Two years. Two years. So two years. And now the it looks like the one side is pretty much unified ideologically, but there's like some incredible internal divisions, though, about whether on terms of tactical strategy. Yeah, and I know we were looking for like a list somewhere, like a succinct list of all the concessions. But, but they, there are a few, I think. I think they said that they're not going to agree to a clean debt ceiling hike without corresponding spending cuts. I think they also said that they want spending to be reduced by like $100 billion compared to 2023. So they want $100 billion cuts in the next appropriations bill, I think. And that's a few. That's tough. Yeah, especially if that's still things like education, for example, or the military or Ukraine aid. Yeah, I know I had heard for sure they're gunning for Social Security and Medicare. Like non-discretionary? Yeah, like, you know, what do they call them? The entitlements. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, we'll see. I think there might be some negotiations on that. We'll see how bad. Let's hope that it doesn't come to that. I think Biden says he's not going to agree to any cuts in Social Security or Medicare. I doubt the Senate's going to agree on cuts to Social Security and Medicare either. So the Republican House, they'll just have to. We'll see how that will go. And the last time the House was in charge, um, we ran into a budget problem too, right? Yeah, 2011, we hit something called a debt ceiling, um, which is basically a limit on how much the federal government can borrow. And if you don't raise the debt ceiling, what happens is the government defaults on its debt, so it can't, so it doesn't pay interest on its debt payments anymore which would be uh, catastrophic and could potentially cost about 6 million jobs and $15 trillion of wealth, according to a Moody's analysis. So that could put our country into a pretty severe recession. Wow. Okay, so what happened? And also risk the financial credibility of the United States. It will downgrade our credit rating, interest rates will rise, and it will just be a disaster. Okay. Yeah, that sounds awful. So... What happened, um, remember when, like, the government was shut down? In like 2013, when they tried to shut down the government to defund Obamacare. Is that what it was? Yeah. Okay. And then there was the 2019 shutdown over a, a border wall in, a, in the appropriations bill. Yeah, was that when, like, Trump had, like, McDonald's? or What was, what was that, remember? Yeah, like, in 2019, Trump shut down the government to fund $25 billion for a border wall. Yeah. So he... he but House Democrats didn't agree on that. Right. Okay, so then he, he... I guess a president can just, like, shut down the government or something and say... If they don't agree on a budget in time, then the government shuts down. Okay. Yeah. So uh, we have a lot to look forward to with um, the House. I still think that there's some room to compromise, however, and because it's only a very, very slim majority, I think there's room to compromise because of that. However, of course, the question will be, will even McCarthy put those compromises on the floor or will they just have to play a hand um, over they just have to play footsie with the Freedom Caucus or whatever? Play footsie, interesting. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It's so weird. Caucus is like the furthest right group of the House. I mean, that crew, what was it, six that just voted president? I mean, they never really actually voted for McCarthy. They just said, okay, well, 
you know, don't include me in your vote. Yeah, the vote voting present, those six votes present, that lowered the threshold to be elected to speaker from 218 to 215, and Kevin McCarthy got 216. So he didn't even yeah. get 218 technically. Right, yeah. And, and so, I mean, it's just really telling that that group, in the end, never really voted for him. Yeah, like Matt Gates or Andy Biggs and... Bobart. Yeah, Bobart and Crane and Rosendale and all those people. It's going to be really interesting to see what's going on. And I'm just can't wait to see Hunter Biden. Um, oh, yeah, there's going to be a shit ton of investigations. Hunter Biden's one. They're also probably- Do you think Hunter Biden's going to show up and get interviewed? Like they're going to subpoena him? Yeah, like Hillary Clinton did for the Benghazi hearings. Yeah, all day long, just subpoena him and he just sit there. Um, I'm not sure, um, but they do have subpoena power. That's something to note. Whether or not that happens, it's worth noting that they have subpoena power. If Hunter Biden says no to a subpoena, what happens? I'm not sure, actually. I mean, he's a private citizen. Right. True. It's not like Hillary. Yeah, who is the Secretary of State, who's a government official. Right. This is just the son of the President of the United States, who's a private citizen. Right. Yeah. Meanwhile, um, the Mar-a-Lago raid, of course, um, they're going to be, I think, investigating that. I've Yes, very, very deep. Investigate the investigators. I know. They're trying to investigate the Mar-a-Lago search warrant when the Department of Justice tried to f- seek out the classified documents. And they're going to investigate that. I also heard that they're trying to impeach the Secretary of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas, and impeach Merrick Garland. I think I've heard rumors about that. Rumors about impeaching somebody. Why would they impeach those guys? I guess they disagree with, of course, uh, Mayorkas' immigration policy. And I guess um, Merrick Garland, they're mad about him seeking the search warrant, of course. So, But I'm not sure if impeachment's the right way to go about that. I think that's just... First off, that's never going to get through a removal trial in the Senate, let's just be honest. And it's just all about political theater. Yeah, it's just, it's just a show. It's all a show. Yeah, of course. We'll see how this, how all these theatrics play out when they have to sell this into the voters in 2024. Yeah, it. I mean, they barely won, and they were supposed to kick the Democrats' butts. Like 2010. Yeah, just what? Uh, well, like when they lost 63 House seats, but it, they only lost like eight House seats. Yeah, although you said that 2024 is going to be really tough. For the Senate races, not the House, though. Interesting. So it might just flip again? Yes, I know. I would say the Senate is still more critical, in my opinion, because the thing about the Senate is they get judicial. They get to a point. They get the final authority over judicial confirmations. Yeah, judges are huge. And executive um, appointments as well to, like, some of these agencies. That's another thing. Right. Okay. So those are a few things we'll look forward to, probably, or, or dread, depending on the situation. Oh, yes. I'm going to be on the edge of my seat. I just am so looking forward I to it. I still think that there's reason to be optimistic and that there's room to compromise because it's only a very narrow majority. And there might be a handful of people who go along to compromise with the Democrats. I'm cautious. Who would it be? Maybe I think there's like Brian Fitzpatrick of Pennsylvania or something like that. I think maybe Don Bacon of um, Nebraska, who are very much like conservative right-wing Republicans, but more like McConnell, uh, McConnell-like Republicans and not necessarily like Biggs or Gates type of Republicans. Right. Okay. But Good. we'll see. It's not going to be great regardless. And our next story, of course, um, concerns Mr. Santos. Oh, yes. D- uh, Dr. 
Santos? George Santos. He's yes. not a doctor. The highly esteemed war veteran, George Santos? Yeah, he can make anything up at this yeah, point. Yeah, I mean, last time he was speaker, everybody followed him. Yeah, maybe he should be Speaker of the House. That would be a bad idea. <laughs> and I saw there he was sitting alone, remember, until he finally found partnership with Marjorie Taylor Greene. We saw those interesting... Oh, that's so nice that yeah, she was we... able to be friends with him. Yeah. Oh, yeah, just the person who was standing next to a um, Holocaust denial named Nick Fuentes. Yeah. Oh, great. That's what Marjorie Taylor Greene did. Well, he's Jew-ish, so it's... it's Jew-ish, a... yeah. <laughs> he's actually Catholic. By the way, though... George Santos, it appears that he's under investigation from Brazilian authorities for stealing a checkbook one in 2009, actually, from a medical patient to buy shoes. Yeah, I was wondering about that. Like, uh, well, I guess we'll find out if Brazil has, like... Um, like, the authorities, like, the judges in Brazil are investigating. Yeah, they, or, they, like, what is it, like, you know, there's a certain amount of years that go by, and if it, it just kind of dies or something. Yeah, I think this was back in 2009 when this accusation was made. But the thing is, Brazil says, oh, we've been looking for this guy a long time. We just had no idea where he is. But now you can find him. He's in the Congress of the United States, of course. <laughs> Dude should have laid low. I know. No one wants to be in a Brazilian jail. Yeah. Uh, of course, one thing is, it's sad for the people of the New York 13th Congressional District because these people are being known, their only reason why these people are in the news is because they just elected a person who lied about pretty much everything. I know. What a failure on the Democrat side to not catch that. But I know. I, like, op- where was the opposition research, for example? Yeah, I just think, you know, some of those positions are just kind of buried. And also another thing is partly I think the media is to blame as well because this wasn't reported until December when everybody already voted in November. Yeah, I, I, everything kind of failed the voters, uh, the media, and the Democratic Party. In this particular congressional race. Certainly. Yeah, for sure. I mean, for Herschel Walker, for example, the media caught all of his lies. I know, yeah. Well, Senate versus like some House a very it's much lower profile versus like probably one of the most competitive senate races in the country that everybody is keeping their eye on. Right. right. Meanwhile, I have some personal news. Um I actually created a website. You can go to www.vinpolitics.com um and I have a bit of a bio page and I also have all of my episodes posted there, but I you can also check out my blog. I have one blog post currently. Yeah, and I think you have a page to just contact if anyone wants to just write yeah, you, you can an email me. Yeah. Yes, you can email me. Um, just you're more than welcome to email me as long as it's nothing profane. You're more than welcome to email me. <laughs> and um, don't forget what you did on what was it? Two January fifth. What did you do? I saw the inauguration ceremony for uh, Governor Hobbs at this point, not Governor Elect anymore, and as well as. Um, yeah, she was there as long as Attorney General Mays and uh, Mr. Fontes, the Secretary of State, of course. But also, um, there were a few Republicans there, including Kimberly Yee, the state treasurer, and Tom Horn, the superintendent of public instruction. So there were some Republicans there as well, um, but I think uh, but I think the event was largely focused on um, Governor Hobbs now, yeah. Yeah. Did you have a good time? Yeah, I think there was just a bunch of people, like, speaking and giving in, like, their opening remarks, and that's... And I think I saw, I actually saw some lawmakers there. I saw two state representatives, Jennifer Pollock and Jennifer Longton, actually. They, Jennifer Pollock was my old um, state legislator when I lived in Chandler, and Jennifer Longton is my current one when I live in Phoenix. 
Yeah, Jennifer Pollock, you were knocking on doors when, how old were you? I was like, um, I was 11 years old in 2018. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. And that's... Um, and along with that, of the inauguration, um, you wrote a blog piece, and what was it about? Seven things Katie Hobbs should do on day one through executive orders. Um, tell me two. Um, one that I suggested would be to, um, um, would be to issue a moratorium on the death penalty. Yes. I love that idea. Yeah. Um, you can see all my reasoning for it. If you visit my blog post, you can see all my reasoning for that. I'm not going to lay this out of my podcast, but you can all see all the reasoning for that. Another one that I suggested would be to create a state agency on addressing homelessness, but, but guess what? She actually did it. Did she really? Yeah. Wow, I mean, that's amazing. What What was her um, plan? I think, like, create a state agency that will just, like, research and investigate the problem, like, just like what I was proposing, actually. Of course, I didn't tell her about any of this, actually. <laughs> but um, but it's good to see that there's some positive steps taken. I think another thing would probably be a state agency on addressing climate change because that's a big issue here. Yeah, with water and everything else, we really need to get on it. Yeah, and the wildfires up north as well. Right. Okay. Um, and then you're going to write another blog post soon? Yes. Well, great. We'll keep an eye out. All right. Goodbye. All right. Thanks, Finn. Bye.